Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you, so let's talk some Dynasty. On episode number 132, I'm going to talk about five late round rookie picks that I like more than most other Dynasty analysts. So earlier this offseason, I did a podcast about rookies that I liked more than most uh, Dynasty analysts and also did rookies I liked yes, but at that time I focused primarily on players that were likely to be drafted in the first and second round of our rookie drafts. So today I'm going to talk about players that I like more than more than most analysts that will likely be drafted in the third, fourth, and in some cases even fifth rounds uh, based on the, the ones I'm comparing them to. And to tell you the truth, I don't look at other Dynasty analyst rookie rankings during the offseason, except for when I do this, whenever I check in to see where, where we have differences. Um, and so I, that's what I do. And when I do, I always look first to Dynasty League Football, DLF. You guys know them, DLF. I like to look there just because I think they're some of the best analysts out there. I like, too, that they have the composite rankings with them, all their rankers together, you know, form the composite ranking and gives you a little bit broader scope on what you think the overall Dynasty community feels about their picks. And then I like to see where my independent rankings, I am your most independent and most trusted and independent uh, Dynasty analyst. So I take my independent rankings and try to compare them uh, with those of uh, DLF just to see where we have differences. And so the last few weeks, there's been weeks of listening and reading um, from many full-time draft analysts. That's one thing I do. And then you tack in the uh, pro day results. have also uh, added those in to my evaluations. And so I have modified my rookie rankings a fair amount over the last few weeks as the pro day results come out and as I have listened and read much more from the full-time draft analysts. And I'm sure the folks at DLF have made those changes too. And so as I'm doing this, I'm comparing from what their rankings were on April 1st. And so here's going to be a list of late round players that I like more than the pros at DLF. I find this helpful for me too, because in many of my leagues, I've actually traded away my first and second round picks. So these are the players that I'll be targeting that I hope will fall to me. First is uh, Mari Rogers. Um, as of April 1st, like I said, Amari Rogers was my 20th ranked rookie, while he's DLF's, he was DLF's 27th ranked rookie. So I was actually pretty shocked to see that the pros at DLF see him as a third round pick, while I have him valued right there in the middle of the second round. Uh, Rogers played four years at Clemson, where he amassed 2,144 yards receiving. And really, one of the, what's amazing is that's in one of the most competitive wide receiver schools in the country. So for him to be able to play effectively in all four years, is saying something. He's really a well-rounded athlete uh, with a build of an actual NFL running back, 5'9", 212 pounds. And uh, one of the things I like about Rodgers is that many more teams right now look to draft what's called you know positionless players, uh, just draft for skills and not really put people in position. He's really one of those best positionless players. I think why he's primarily going to excel, excel as a slot receiver, uh, he really could be used in the running game, and he could be used on punt returns, which he did at Clemson. And at the Senior Bowl, he actually took reps at the running back position. And then when the game was actually played, he had four catches and a touchdown as a wide receiver in that game. I think he had one carry also. 
Um, I moved uh, Rogers up in my rankings after hearing more about him and his work ethic and leadership in an interview uh, that he gave on the Move the Sticks podcast. That's one thing I like to do. I love to hear the interviews and just get a feel for someone's work ethic, their you know passion for football, or how hard they work. Um, Rogers, if I was trying try to figure out who he reminds me of, he reminds me most of Heinz Ward, and I think he could have that very long career as a versatile weapon uh, for whichever team drafts him, just as Ward did in Pittsburgh for all those years. And in my rankings, Rodgers is at the end of a rankings tier, in my opinion. So I have him right there at 20. He's kind of the end of a tier at pick number 20, where I have him ahead of a lot of the smaller running backs in this class, like Kenny Galladay, I mean, Kenny, Kenny Gainwell, rather, and Michael Carter. I have him ahead of the second tier tight ends and Pat Fryermuth and Brevin Jordan. I have him ahead of the second tier quarterbacks like Trey Lance and Zach Wilson. But in comparison, DLS analysts all have those players that I just mentioned. They have him ranked ahead of Amari Rodgers, which is definitely uh, where we disagree. I would rather have Rodgers than Gainwell, Carter, Fryermuth, Jordan, Lance, or Wilson. And Lance or Wilson meaning in one quarterback leagues. So that's the biggest uh, difference there, seven-spot difference on Amari Rodgers. Uh, second player that I like more than the pros over at DLF is Javian Hawkins. Um, as, of, uh, as of April 1st, Hawkins was my 27th ranked rookie, while he is their 36th ranked rookie. Uh, Hawkins is a lightning fast, <laughs> explosive player. In his last two years um, at Louisville, he averaged 121 yards per game and 0.8 touchdowns per game. And he really could have added to that total, but he opted out midway through the season this last season. Uh, for COVID stuff, just opted out of the season just so he could start to prepare for the NFL draft. And he must have trained hard because he performed really well on his pro day, running a 4.44 40-yard dash and a 6.96 three-cone drill. And those speeds really confirmed what the tape already showed, that he's he's quick, he's fast. That's his strength. Um, but the question is, is he, is he too small for a significant role in the NFL? Uh, he weighed in at 182 pounds on his pro day, uh, which is also expected. People knew that he was going to be light. Um, as I've written before, this class is loaded with underweight running back prospects, but Hawkins is my favorite one that's under 200 pounds. So my favorite guy under 200 pounds at the running back, back position. One of the lessons that I've learned in recent years is uh, in those late round picks is to try to pick high upside players in the third and fourth round of rookie drafts. And those type of players will either prove themselves quickly with big plays or they won't. And if they flash early, you're great. If they don't, then you can drop them. Uh, but I'd rather have a player that has the athleticism to pop and that rather than wait on, you know, a third or fourth round player that gets buried on a depth chart somewhere. I don't think he's ever going to be in every down back in the NFL, just too small for that. But he's going to have opportunity to make big plays uh, for a team, particularly if he goes to a team that's wise and knows how to use someone of his uh, talent. I think I'm probably going to draft him a little bit earlier than most analysts based on this difference between with our rankings. Third player that I'll mention is uh, Josh Imatorbebe. <laughs> Very tricky last name, Imatorbebe. Uh, as of April 1st, Josh Imatorbebe was the 32nd rank, my 32nd ranked rookie, while he was uh, DLF's 84th ranked rookie. So giant difference there, nearly 50 spots between our rankings. Uh, this DLS ranking really surprised me. So if this is true, apparently I'm going to be drafting a lot of Imatorbebe in all of my leagues. Um, he's a third-round pick in my eyes for the same reason that Javian Hawkins is, that he's an exceptional athlete, uh, particularly with one very great skill. Um, if you don't know, he was actually initially signed by Southern California before he transferred to Illinois. So if he was signed by Southern California, you know that he was a highly targeted recruit 
ends up at Illinois, less powerful school, and he actually was rel- relatively unproductive in college, but he did do one thing really well. That's catch touchdown passes. So in his junior season, he caught nine touchdowns, which was actually 27% of his total catches. So on a, more than a quarter of his catches that season uh, were touchdowns. So that's impressive, even though the, the catch total is not impressive. Um, he's a pretty large man. He's not super tall, but he's 6'1", but he is very strong. He's 223 pounds. And they get to get this. He would have set the highest record vertical jump in history if the combine had been uh, had been taking place this year. And uh, he did a vertical jump on his pro day that was 46.5 inches, the highest ever recorded at the combine. And that's not a stat that you can actually trick or trade, you know, like it is on the 40-yard dash during your pro day. The, the jump's the jump. You know, you, you hit the, the bars and you hit the bars, and he, he did it. Uh, his vertical jump, in my opinion, and his proficiency, proficiency for catching touchdowns, I think really will get NFL teams very interested in him. And dynasty managers uh, should keep an eye out for him, too. I'd be very surprised if Imator Bebe gets drafted later than the fourth round. I think that he's going to get drafted. If he does get drafted, drafted later than that, I'll take an honest look at myself and probably move him down quite a bit in my rankings. But I just don't think that that's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is he'll get drafted higher than people think. And then the pros at DLF will actually be moving him up in their rankings instead. And I can keep him right there at number 32 like I have him right now. Fourth of five players that I have ranked higher is uh, Shai Smith. Um, as of April 1st, Shai Smith was a 35th ranked rookie. While he, my 35th ranked rookie, I should say, while he's DLS 49th ranked rookie. That means that I see Smith as an end of the third round prospect, while the DLF analysts view him as a top of the fifth round uh, prospect. Uh, Smith started moving up my rankings um, really early in the offseason when he was a standout in Super Bowl practices, uh, senior bowl practices, rather. Um, and then Daniel Jeremiah of the Move, Move the Sticks pod, podcast said that. He had some of the best catches in practice and that he really believed that Smith could be a productive starting slot receiver in the NFL. Um, I liked him even more after watching the Senior Bowl because he did great in the Senior Bowl, uh, leading the American team in receiving yards. I think that his style of play um, and college stats don't stand out in any profound way, uh, but they lead me to believe that he could be a solid contributor to an NFL team. Uh, He did combine for 2,204 yards receiving his four years at South Carolina. But he only had 13 touchdowns. So that's kind of a negative. Uh, he'll need to make it make it uh, that that the way that he scores in the NFL too. I think just being a slot receiver that compiles catches and yards underneath will be his strength rather than scoring touchdowns. Yeah, but unlike uh, the upside that I see in Hawkins and Emotor Bebe, I see Smith as a solid contributor to, contributor in the NFL. I think he's going to have not going to have like uh, he's going to have a high floor, but he's going to have a really uh, low ceiling for dynasty managers. Just a solid guy that's going to produce, I think. If he gets drafted to a team with three or four solid wide receivers ahead of him, um, I think I will move him down quite a bit in my rankings. But if he's drafted to a team that has a need for a slot receiver and looks like he could get an opportunity right away to play, I'll keep him right where I have him uh, near the end of the third round. One of the things I like about him too is uh, watching on film, he he always catches the ball with his hands. I love seeing receivers that are just always catching it with their hands, never letting it get to their body. You could tell too that he fires up the team quite a bit. He's got quite a quite an attitude um, when he makes big plays. Last guy that I'll mention is Marlon Williams from UCF. Um, as of April first, Marlon uh, Williams was my 36th ranked rookie, so right at the end of the third round. Well, he was DLS 58th ranked rookie, so pretty big difference there of, of uh, 22 spots. 
Um, again, I have Williams ranked at the end of the third round, while DLF see him, uh, their pros to see him as a later fifth round pick. So that surprised me. I do have to confess that I am a bit biased against Central Florida's wide receivers after having such confidence in Traquan Smith several years ago. Um, his un- inability to shine even in a pass-happy Saints offense caused me to be less excited about Gabriel Davis last year. But then he had an excellent rookie season, and so I'm making myself more open to believing in solid wide receivers coming out of uh, UCF. They do seem to pump them out, at least guys that get drafted every single year. Williams was a contributor all four years at UCF, uh, but he really became their leading receiver last year, uh, catching 71 passes for 1,039 yards, and what I like is 10 touchdowns. His strength and his size and his toughness, those are the best things. That's his biggest strength is just size and toughness. He's not the fastest. He's not the quickest. But he's got the body that can box guys out with his size, and that's really his strength. And multiple times on film, he would just run over defensive backs and power over the goal line while being, trying to be tackled. Uh, he really looked like a pinball just bouncing off of would-be tacklers in many of his highlights. Uh, he's a big target in the red zone, too. Prototypical X receiver that I really think could thrive on the team that needs size and toughness in the wide receiver core. So I like Marlon Williams more than the folks at DLF, and I'm assuming more than most folks. Well, you get to choose now. You're going to look at my rankings and believe me and believe me as well, or you're going to side with the pros at DLF. Uh, That's up to you to decide. I hope you'll keep following. Next week, I'm going to do something similar, but I'm going to talk about five players that I actually like far less than the pros at DLF. Late round players, again, third and fourth round type of players in my book. Well, that's a wrap this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. I'm much better on email than Twitter, so email is the best way to contact me. I'd be honored if you'd take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.